for this sermon is Excelling in God's Love. One drop at a time. I'm Alicia. And I am Rachel. And we'll be doing this sermon today. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day. Let this sermon be a blessing to all and for us to learn something today and to use it to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am convinced that one goal many people have, intentionally or unintentionally, adopted is to go through life as hidden and unnoticed as they possibly can. I can be that way many times throughout my academic career, whether it's elementary school, middle school, and soon to be high school. It was my intent to fade into the background and become part of the decor. Life is safer and simpler there. Some of you are that way. You go to work and have a few relationships, most of them superficial, do your job and go home. You have, for all practical purposes, become nothing more than a piece of office equipment. Some of you approach church like that as well. You come for whatever reason and fade into the background. See the pew, be the pew. It is carried over into how we live out our faith as well. I have found that the only way to go through life unnoticed is to blend in. The only way not to draw attention to ourselves is to look, act, think, dress, spend, speak, and live like everyone else. As believers, we have become adept at camouflaging ourselves by taking on the color, characteristics, and convictions of the world around us and simply going with the flow. And we have become all but invisible to the world around us. Even our churches have found ways to blend into the shadows, shades, and hues of the world around us. While this may be a comfortable place to be, it is not the place we are called to be. It is not the role we have been asked to assume. Jesus said that as his followers, yes, we would be in the world, but we were never to be a part of the world, and it was not to be a part of us. We are not called to blend in. We're called to stand out. We are called to model and be a catalyst for change. Jesus has called us to be the salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has been become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Not do men light a lamb and put it under the peck measure, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. When I cook... I notice that when you introduce salt into food, just like when light into a darkened environment, one thing you can be sure of is that it will not go unnoticed. As believers, we are not to go unnoticed. Our lives are not to be colored by the character of this world. We are called to be a unique people. We are to live lives that are vastly different from those around us. If we do not model changed lives, how can we ever expect people to see a need for change themselves? The Christian life rightly lived will have an impact on those around us. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a very young church who, despite every reason not to survive and thrive, was having an impressive and God-honoring impact on the people around them. The influence of the gospel, both spoken and lived, was expanding beyond the boundaries of their meeting place and 
finding its presence felt in the city and beyond. They did not accomplish this by blending in and trying to sneak through life unnoticed and their faith intact. The church stood out and it stood up because it was filled with people whose lives were different, people's lives who had been touched and changed by the gospel. The church stood out and stood up because its focus was not inward, but upward and outward. They existed to give, reach, teach, and to worship. When that is lived out practically, both corporately and individually, people will take notice. God's love is something we all have, and we can also give away. In this case, God's love has four corners. If I were to give you one of my corners of God's love, how many would I have left? I gave one away, and now I have five. Who received one of the corners I gave away? Are you sure she gave you one? It became three when you cut it, so it keeps multiplying. In the same way, the more of God's love you give away, the bigger it gets. If you keep on going, and you will eventually get a circle. God's love is encircling us. George Barna, a leading Christian researcher in the area of church growth and temporary trends, has written a number of books and works on how Christians live out their Christian faith. Part of his findings are rather disturbing. Listen to what Mr. Barna has to say. We find very, very few instances where Christians look any different from anybody else in their values, attitudes, behaviors, and relationships. There are almost a mere image of those you find among non-Christians. Christians do not act differently because they do not think differently. They do not really understand what their faith has to do with every dimension of their lives. One of the greatest challenges is to help believers understand how the Christian faith should influence every thought and every word and every perception we have. One of the truths his research reminds us of is that we believe, if we really believe it, impacts how we live our lives on a day-to-day and decision-to-decision basis. This is something that is evidently missing in our world today. The bottom line is that many Christians have not made the connection between their Christian faith and their daily behavior. When you study the Bible, you will find it very clearly indicated that it should make a difference if you know Jesus as your personal Savior. Shouldn't Shouldn't your life be different if you know Christ as your Savior? One place we are all different and make a difference is in our affection, compassion, love, and action towards other people, especially other believers. Love is something, true love, that is foreign to this world. This world cannot display it because it simply doesn't understand it and has very seldom seen it. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9 through 12, challenges and encourages the practical and ethical standards of this group of believers. One area we are called on as believers to excel in is love. In this verse, we see we are to excel at love for the brethren. That term is one that was used for those who are blood relatives, actual brothers and sisters. But here, it is implied to all believers because we share a common spirit, baptism, and spiritual DNA. Yes, we are all united as blood relatives. The blood of our precious Savior has inextricably and permanently bounded us together. As we look at this passage, I want to highlight a few truths we see about love stated in these verses and make a few statements about, statements about each. 
Number one is love is something we learn. You may say, well, that is, stra- that is a strange statement. How can you learn love? Isn't love something that comes naturally? Isn't love something that just happens to you over time? Doesn't it just kind of sneak up on you as you get older or get to know people? I wish that were too, true. But it's not. Love, the type of love with which we are expected to love others, is not a love based on feeling, circumstances, time, or warm fuzzies. Love, God's type of love, is one that is a matter of the will. Love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is an action that is made or carried out regardless of the lovability of those we are called to love. Love for self is something that is natural. Love for others is something that is learned. Where do we learn it? How do we learn to practice, show it, and receive it? From God. Paul was not reluctant to teach them about love or to admonish them to love and learn even more. He is merely saying that what he has to say about it cannot expound on the love that they have learned directly from God. The command to love one another is not a new command. It can be traced back to the Old Testament. The command to love one another can be found at least 13 times in the New Testament. It is the identification badge for those who are followers of Christ. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Even as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. The command to love is rooted in the love that God has given to us. Behold what manner, what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called children of God. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Christ died died for us. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This sums up the heart of God's love. It is not a love given to those who did not deserve it. It is given to those who did nothing to elicit a loving response from God. It is a love found in, very, in the very character and nature of God. God is love. When we came to Christ, God placed within us something very special, himself. Because of the love that has been shown to us, and by virtue of the fact the very person of God, who is love, now lives in us, we should love one another. We love because we have been loved. We love because we have love residing in us. If we are abiding in Christ, if we are maturing as believers, we will love and grow in love. If we act according to our new nature, we will love. A person went to the zoo and saw a monkey and a lion in the same cage. They spoke to the zookeeper and said, That's marvelous having a lion and a monkey in the same cage. How do they get along? Okay, usually answered the zookeeper. Occasionally they have a disagreement, and we have to get a new monkey.
Why do you have to get a new monkey? Because sometimes lions act like lions. And as long as the lions act like lions, the zookeepers will always need new monkeys. There are times when Christians don't act like Christians. They ignore the influence of the Holy Spirit. They revert back to their old pattern of living. They act in accordance with their old nature, not their new one. Love is something we're taught and shown by God himself. We have seen it and experienced it. Love is to be practiced and expressed in our action. Someone has well said that religion, religious talk without practical deeds is empty talk. Worse, it's a lie. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Love is not merely in words. Love is in actions of kindness, sacrifice, and giving. The way we treat our visible brother and sister is proof of whether you really delight in your invisible father. We cannot hug God or bound down in his visible presence. We cannot write him a card. We cannot wash his chariot or weed his flower beds or take him to Red Lobster. Our love for God is expressed in our love for others. That is how they know that we love them and him. Whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. Paul tells them, you are practicing it, but urges them to excel still more. It expresses a simple but important, but important truth. No matter how far we feel we have come in, Christ's gra- in Christian graces, we can still travel further. How can we show more love? What does it take? From a human's perspective, we would say, people to act more loving toward me. Nicer to me, I'll be nicer to them. Talk to me, I'll talk to them. Give me what I want, I will be glad to give them what they want. If people will be more like me, appreciate their sense of humor, their intellectual wavelength, social economic status, I'm not worried about having more or less than they do, so it will not get in the way. Dress, look a certain way, no blue hair, eh, well, that can be taken either way. Nose rings or tattoos, interests and passions, don't have any annoying habits. From a human's perspective, we would say, those are the people I can love, want to love, and can love even more. If they will change or do certain things, then I have no problem loving them more. We, are, we all know this does not happen, not even in the church, and it shouldn't happen. As you look at this verse, you are struck by the all-inclusive nature of this statement. You practice it toward all the brethren. Does it even do it even more. There is no qualification given. That means to those who make it difficult for you, and there are some folks you are easy to love, but others of you it is difficult to love. I ask again, what does it take to excel in love toward other brethren, even those it is not easy to love? You know, there was a little girl who was invited for dinner at the home of her first grade friend. The vegetable was buttered broccoli, and the mother asked if she liked it. Oh, yes, the child replied. I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she declined to take any. The hostess said, I thought you loved broccoli. The girl replied sweetly, Oh, yes, ma'am, I do, but not enough to eat it. Do you love your family? 
Of course I do. We all would say that. It's the only right answer. But what do you mean by love? So we often in our family and church family, like that little girl, love broccoli. We love in the abstract. But when it comes right down to it, we don't want to get too close. In the words of the Apostle John, we love in word, but not in deed and truth. We know that our relationships in the family need to be marked by love. Husbands, especially, are to love their wives, and wives, too, must love their husbands. Parents and children, brothers and sisters, must love one another. What I say is going to be easy to remember, but difficult to do. How do I love others more? By loving God more and myself less. The more you love and I love God, and the bigger he becomes in our lives, the more important other people become. The bigger God becomes, becomes to you and me, the smaller we become in our own eyes. Love affects how we live life, and outsiders view us. If we cannot convince and show others we love each other, who are supposed to be family and joined together by the Spirit of God, how are we going to convince them that we love them and that God loves them and can change them when it appears that God's great love for us cannot even provide us the power or willingness to get along and love one another? How well we love one another and how well that love finds its way into our everyday conversation and lives will determine how receptive people will be to our message. That brings another story to mind. There was a young resident at a teaching hospital that had a marvelous effect on children. They responded to him with delight and it would allow him to do things to them in a way they wouldn't allow the rest of the hospital staff. The administrators assigned a nurse to watch this young resident to discover why he was able to have such a wonderful effect with the children. It wasn't until her second week that she learned the secret. Every night on his last run with the patients, he would kiss, hug, and tuck in every one of the children. It was an act of sympathy, compassion, and love that made them open to his ability to work with them. When people see and experience this from us, they too will be open to the God we serve and the message of hope we bring. And we will be the better for it. Our words can be words of life or words of destruction. So too with our actions, lifestyle, and character. This object lesson hopefully will illustrate to you that the words we say, acts we do, the lifestyle we live, and, and the character we display have influence. The things we do in the life we live go well beyond just the moment. Everyone has an influence for either good or bad. We must guard ourselves every moment, for some thoughtless word or act might spoil another's life. How much influence it takes to make a difference. Notice how quick... This signals the pain and hurtfulness. Notice how quickly the color spreads, and the pure water in the dish is spoiled. 
one drop at a time, will spread until it spoils the whole. And just how one little bad act may spread in the heart of another till the whole life is spoiled. Can you take that drop out of the water? Right. So too, with our influence, it cannot be undone. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in a way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. This represents the good influence. The bright color will glow and spread in the same way. Can you take a drop out of the water? If you can see that. Right, so too with our influence, for we for we are to sorry, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? One drop at a time. What difficulties do we face in trying to be a positive Christ-like example to others in the home, church, workplace, community with non-Christian friends? If you were the only Christian someone knew, what picture of a Christian would they have? How would they define a Christian? What would they believe about Christians? What would they expect Christians to do and say? How does the answer to these questions um, differ from the biblical idea of what a Christian is supposed to be? Are there parts of your life that you would not want others to imitate? What will you do to change? Who will you ask to help? How can you get started this week to be more positive influence for Christ? And if you would like to start this week making a change to be more a positive influence to Christ, please stand as our elders come forward and pray a eradication prayer. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, great is your faithfulness. Lord, what an awesome God you are in how you perform in our lives. We are told that let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say he's rich. Why? Because of who you are and what you do. Father, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And at times, no weaker are we than when we are as children. But no greater is your power seen than when we become like children. So, Father, today, as the children served in the different capacities and how you work through them to express your love and power, we want to pray for them in a special way this morning. We ask that your spirit will revive them. We ask that your spirit will build them up. We ask that your spirit will, will anoint them with 
gifts and talents, knowledge and wisdom, so that you can work mightily through them to win the world. Father, just as they demonstrated with that food coloring, that when by influence it can be good or bad, we pray that you, by your spirit, will influence their lives for good. And that by planting them among their friends and loved ones, that they will influence the kingdom for you. Father God, we, we want to thank you that we heard from them today on how we can express and show the, the influence of love. You spoke through them this morning, and we heard them. But we pray that it will not be the last time we heard them. But that they're, 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 the words that they have spoken, we will hear it over and over and over and over again. Let us love in deed and in truth. And let that love be shown to them. Let them see that love. And let it not just be what we say, but by our actions. We show them that we do love them. We support them. We encourage them. Father God, we want to pray that your spirit will, will influence their their friends in, in school and not just in the church. And that when they speak, Father, they will speak your words, not their own. And so just as the word touched us this morning, it will touch them, and that by them you will win souls. We thank you, Lord. This is the prayer that we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen.